Amen. So, you know, in the world today, um, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of voices speaking a lot of things today. You know, we've got a lot of information. You know, we're in that information technology era now, and, you know, it's just amazing how, many, how much information there is out there. And, you know, I, I kind of sit back and you observe the world and people and the way we react to, to different things. And I'm always noticing how people are fascinated with other people how much we fascinate with other people. And I was thinking we were, it was early this year, I think we were at La Coretta's restaurant in Mandeville and we were sitting at a table. I think Leah Rachel was there and Josh and I think Brandon and Jenna might've been there. And we had a table and um, I was facing the, the, toward the restaurant, but my back was toward this booth where some other people were sitting and Joshua was sitting on the other, on the other side of the table facing that booth. And he's staring at them and he's kind of like trying to get our attention. Is that, you know, who I think it is. And if, you, if you've ever seen, the, the, I don't watch cable news anymore, but when I was watching Fox News, they had a show on there called The Greg Gutfeld Show, which I thought was a pretty good show. And one of the guests on the show was this big guy named, his name was Tyrus, kind of like a big wrestling guy. Y'all might know who I'm talking about. Well, he lives in St. Tammany. I think he lives in Mandeville. And so we're sitting there, and so we're trying to figure out if that's him. Well, it really was him, and he knew that we were, that we were staring at him. And so when he got up to leave, I think he just kind of said, thank y'all for, he just kind of said real quick, thank y'all for watching or whatever. It was just kind of funny, but, but jo- it was just, I was just watching Joshua, like, like Haley was there, she must be downstairs, and she was like, I don't really care if he's, if who he is, but, but like Joshua was, I guess, kind of like me and Lee, we were kind of like, wow, that's like a, that's like a big deal when you see like a celebrity kind of person. And um, I remember Lori and I, this was several years ago, we were at a, I think the, uh, the Philharmonic Orchestra at the Orpheum in New Orleans, and we were, we were there, and I'm looking down at the people that were sitting there, and it was Bob Breck. And I'm like, <laughs> some of you probably don't even know who Bob Breck is. And I, and I was just, it's just something about when you see somebody that you see like on television, or it's a football player, or some kind of celebrity, you just like, and, but really at the end of the day, they're just average people. They're not any different than you or I, but there's something about their prominence, you know, their position or whatever it is. We just, we just stand in awe, you know, we stand in awe of people. And um, so, you know, but people today, and this is, I'm finding this real prevalent in the church, that people are, are in awe of what other people have to say. And um, that, that's a good thing. It can be a good thing, but it can also be a bad thing. And social media, I believe, has created instant experts on every subject, including the Bible. I mean, it's just like if you're on social media or you have a blog or you have some kind of, and I'm not on social media, but I hear enough to know about all these things that all of a sudden this person becomes the expert in that subject. And I'm not saying that they're not. They're they're, they're probably very knowledgeable and very informed about whatever um, subject that that is that that they're talking about. But recently, and this is kind of what, you know, what's fueled this message, is um, we, th- there's a lot of voices speaking a lot of different things that are related to biblical issues. And for, uh, obviously, as a pastor and you as a Christian, your ears should kind of perk up a little bit and say, well, what is it that's being said, and is it the truth of what is, is being said? So one of the recent things that just passed, and, and this just kind of shows you the direction of our leadership right now in government in this nation, the way it's going, but they, they passed a bill, the Senate passed it first, and then the House just recently voted to pass it, and unfortunately there was a lot of Republicans that went along with it. It was very disheartening to find that, but they're calling it 
the Respect for Marriage Act. And I find it fascinating that when they name these bills, it's always the opposite of what the bill really means. It's, it's, not the, it's the disrespect for Marriage Act is what it is. And, you know, I was thinking of, you know, you think of Planned Parenthood. It's not, it's not Planned Parenthood. It's, it's no plan for parenthood. That, that, that's really what it is. And it's really a, a disregard and a disrespect for God and God's word. And I've shared this with this church this year recently that, that make no mistake about it, everything that is happening in the world today is a direct assault on the word of God. Everything. It's all spiritual. Don't think, well, it's just Republicans, it's just Democrats, it's just politics. No. It's, it's an assault on the Word of God and who He is and what He stands for, and therefore it's an assault on us, His church. This is just a quote from, this is what um, the speaker said. She's not going to be the speaker much longer, but she's still the speaker now, Pelosi. She said, she said today we stand up for the values the vast majority of Americans hold dear. A belief in the dignity, beauty, and divinity, spark of divinity in every person, and abiding respect for love so powerful that it binds two people together. Ms. Pelosi said in a speech from the House floor before the vote. In a statement, Mr. Biden called the action by Congress a critical step to ensure that Americans have the right to marry the person they love. That's what, the, that's what Congress right now is supporting, and that's what they are voting for. Um, remember the word majority as I move forward in this message. The, on the abortion issue, and I, I've shared this with you all before. I just pulled up this, this, this Pew Research uh, Center poll, and Pew's a good word for it because it stinks. It's a, it's, 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 it's a stinky outcome. It says, today, a 61% majority of U.S. adults say abortion should be legal in all or most cases, while 37% think abortion should be illegal in all or most cases. I, I disagree with that percentage, but I do believe there is a very large percentage of people that do support the killing of the unborn, the most innocent of among us. And then as you read, read, read on with that poll, the poll went on to explain the, the different um, sides that the political parties take, what the Republicans say, and what the, um, what the Democrats have to say. And then gender identity, that's another big thing in our culture today. And I, re I read this recently to y'all, the St. Timothy has a St. Timothy Methodist Church right here in our parish in, in Mandeville. There's a big split within the church about whether or not they should ordain uh, gay and lesbian ministers to, to pastor. And it says, um, the St. Timothy on the North Shore, one of the Lord, largest United Methodist churches in Louisiana, voted to leave the denomination, which has been... Um, world for years by tensions between traditionalists and progressives that have been pulling apart the nation's largest Protestant denomination. Among other issues, the denomination's 6.2 million members have been at odds, now listen to this, over whether the church should ordain gay clergy and perform same-sex marriages, something that traditionalists oppose. Neither are currently allowed, but, but a number of more conservative congregations have voted to leave. So I'm reading these articles, I'm listening to the government, I'm listening to our president, all these different voices just, just swirling around, swirling around, and I'm asking myself, what do all of these voices have in common? They're men, they're just people, they're just people that are speaking, and I wanna, as I'm hearing all this going out, I wanna shout to the top of my lungs, 
Does anybody care what God has to say about any of this? Is anybody listening to what God says? I, 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 and when I, especially when I read that article with the St. Timothy Church, they're saying it's traditionalists and progressives, and it says some say something that traditionalists oppose. Well, what about God? Maybe God opposes that. That's what it should have been in the article. So um, wouldn't it be a good idea to find out what God has to say? That's what God wants. So that's what I titled the message today. Let's see what the Lord has to say. Let's see what the Lord has to say. And I, see, because really, God's voice is the only voice that matters. It doesn't matter what everybody else says. I, I don't care how many blogs they write, how many uh, you know, PhDs they got behind their name and all these different things. It really doesn't matter. Only thing that matters is what does God have to say? Because God is sovereign. God is creator. God, God is perfect in all things. So as I was thinking about this, I was reminded if you read the book of Job, and y'all, many of y'all are very familiar with the book of Job, you really got to read the whole book. I mean, the, the first couple of chapters really kind of sets up what, what happened with Job. But really, if you read the rest of the, it's got like 40 or 41 chapters. Um, and the rest of it, it's Job's friends basically telling him the reason why all these things have happened to you is because you were a bad person. That's really what they were saying, that you did something in your life that caused you for all these things to happen. So if you read the book, the Lord remained silent for 37 chapters. God never said one word. Then in chapter 38, the Lord said, brace yourself. Now I'm, now I'm about to speak. And that's what I believe God is, think, God, God is saying right now. It's like, it's like God is sitting back and saying, is anybody listening to what I have to say? The church better be listening to what God has to say. That's the only voice that you need to be listening to. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 1, I love this. It says, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. So the Bible says God, God spoke through prophets, God spoke through men, his message, but now who's God speaking through? God's speaking through Jesus. Everything that God is speaking is being spoken through the voice of Jesus Christ, the truth of, who, uh, uh, of the word of God. So what, is the, what does the Bible say? All we have to do is open up the Bible for any subject, anything that the world's confronted with. The Bible has the answers to every one of them. What does the Bible say about marriage? The Bible says a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife. The very definition of marriage is a man and a woman come together and get married. That's the definition. So, and, and that's found in the Bible. God, the, the, the institution of marriage is, is God. So we're, we're taking something that God ordained and we're, to, to support what we believe, we're changing definitions. It's one man and one woman. That's what the Bible says. That's not what this church believes. That's not what David believes. That's what the Bible says. That's what God says. What does the Bible say about abortion? It says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. God said before you were even in your mother's womb, God knew who you were. That God, that God says we are intricately formed in the, in, the, in the womb of our mothers. That even there, God knew us and God was forming us. The Bible says that God hates the hands that shed innocent blood. That's what God says. It's not, a, it's not a political debate. That, that doesn't belong in the arena of politics. It belongs in the arena of the church. That's what God says. 
and then, then the gender identity, that should be pretty simple to understand. Pretty simple to understand. And, you know, it, it shouldn't be difficult to figure out whether you're a male or you're a female. It's, it's pretty simple to find out. The Bible says God made them male and female. God made them. That, that's how God created us. So make no mistake about it that everything that the world is doing today is a direct assault on God's word and on God's church. That's what it is. So this message really is, it's an encouragement, but it's really maybe like a wake-up call or a little bit of a, of a warning call, I guess, for us as Christians to make sure our ears are open to listening to what the, to what the Spirit's saying. What is God saying? And uh, so, see, we've taken God out of government, we've taken him out of schools, and now we are attempting to take him out of the church. That, now the, the, the world is trying to redefine what the church is all about. And all i got to do is go to the Bible and find out what the church is all about. God's voice is the one we must seek first. See, God wants his church to be fascinated by him. So we, we were excited when we saw Tyrus, and that was understandable. I'm not saying I was wrong to do that. But how about telling somebody one time, you know what, I want, I want to let you know this person that I met, he's amazing, and his name is Jesus. How about getting fascinated about Jesus? And instead of getting all fascinated about a blog or what you heard somebody write or what you heard a man say, how about telling somebody, guess what God said? God said that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. God says that in Christ you will have eternal life. Though you have sins, God says in Christ your sins will be forgiven. How about getting all excited about Jesus for a change? That's what God wants us to do. Let's get, let's get fascinated by him. And, you know, it's amazing. I, as a pastor, you get a lot of people telling you a lot of different things. And, and I'm just always amazed how much people just, you know, they'll, they'll pick up the phone and they'll see me somewhere and they say, man, did you hear what so-and-so said? Did you, did you hear that? And I'm like, sometimes I've had it, sometimes I'm like, I'm like well, I, I really didn't hear it. But I heard what God said. I read the Bible yesterday, and I, I can tell you what he said. Let's get excited about God. See, that, that, that's, the, that's, the, that, that's what the, the tactic is. That's the strategy of the world is to try to silence the church, silence the truth of what, of what the word of God says. So as we will see in today's message, ignoring the voice of God can have dire consequences. That's really what it's all about. The devil doesn't want you knowing what the word of God says because if he knows if you find out what God's word really says, it's going to change your life. You might even get saved. You might get eternal life. You might get born again. The devil doesn't want that. So I'm going to go to a story, and, and this has been one of, one of my most intriguing stories that I've read, read in the Old Testament. Um, it's in 1 Kings chapter 22, and um, it's going to be several verses, but I felt to really get the just of the, of the passage, um, I needed to read all of these verses. So I think that y'all are going to be able to hang in there with me as I read this. It says, for three years there was no war between Aram and the Israelites. In the third year, Judah's king Jehoshaphat visited Israel's king. Israel's king said to his servants, you know, don't you, that Ramoth Gilead is ours but we aren't doing anything to take it back from the king of Aram. He said to Jehoshaphat, will you go with me into battle at Ramath Gilead? 
Jehoshaphat said to Israel's king, I am with you and my troops and my horses are united with yours. But Jehoshaphat said to Israel's king, first, let's see what the Lord has to say. So Israel's king gathered about 400 prophets and he asked them, should I go to war with Ramoth Gilead or not? Attack, the prophets answered. The Lord will hand it over to the king. But Jehoshaphat said, isn't there any other prophet of the Lord whom we could ask? There is one other man who, who could ask the Lord for us, Israel's king told Jehoshaphat, but I hate him because he never prophesies anything good about me, only bad. His name is Micaiah uh, Imlah, son of Imlah's son. The king shouldn't speak like that, Jehoshaphat said. So Israel's king called an officer and ordered, bring Micaiah, Imlah's son, right away. Now Israel's king and Judah's king Jehoshaphat were sitting on their thrones, dressed in their royal robes at the threshing floor beside the entrance to the gate of Samaria. At the prophets, all the prophets were prophesying in front of them. Zedekiah, Shaniah's son, made iron horns for himself and said, this is what the Lord says, with these horns you will gore the Arameans until there's nothing left of them. All the other prophets agreed, attack Ramoth Gilead and win, the Lord will hand it over to the king. Meanwhile, the messenger who had gone to summon Micaiah said to him, listen, the prophets all agree that the king will succeed. You should say the same thing they say and prophesy success. But Micaiah answered, as surely as the Lord lives, I will say only what the Lord tells me to say. When Micaiah arrived, the king asked him, Micaiah, should we go to war with Ramoth Gilead or not? Attack and win, Micaiah answered. The Lord will hand it over to the king. But the king said, how many times must I demand that you tell me the truth when you speak in the name of the Lord? Then Micaiah replied, I saw all Israel scattered on the hills like sheep without a shepherd. And the Lord said, they have no master. Let them return safely to their own homes. Then Israel's king said to Jehoshaphat, didn't I tell you he never prophesies anything good about me, only bad? Then Micaiah said, listen now to the Lord's word. I saw the Lord enthroned with all the heavenly forces stationed beside him at his right and at his left. The Lord said, who will persuade Ahab so that he attacks Ramoth Gilead and dies there? There were many suggestions until one particular spirit approached the Lord and said, I will persuade him. How, the Lord asked. I will put a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets, he said. The Lord agreed. You will succeed in persuading him. Go ahead. So now, since the Lord has placed a lying spirit in the mouths of every one of these prophets of yours, it is the Lord who has pronounced disaster against you. Zedekiah, Shania's son, approached Micaiah and slapped him on the cheek. Just how did the Lord's Spirit lead me to speak to you, he asked. Micaiah answered, you will find out on the day you try to hide in an inner room. Arrest him, ordered Israel's king, and turn him over to Ammon, the city official, and to Joash, the king's son. Tell him, the king says, put this man in prison and free him and feed him minimum rations of bread and water until I return safely. If you ever return safely, Micaiah replied, then the Lord wasn't speaking through me. Then he added, pay attention, every last one of you. 
What an amazing story. What an, what an intriguing story. And here we have an encounter between two kings, the king of Judah, Jehoshaphat, and the king of Israel, Ahab. And if you study the Old Testament and you read the, the, the Old Testament, you'll discover that Jehoshaphat, though not perfect, he was godly. Jehoshaphat sought the Lord, but Ahab was wicked. Uh, Ahab is the, is the husband of Jezebel. You've, many of you have heard the term Jezebel or Jezebel's spirit. Ahab was Jezebel's, was Jezebel's husband, and Ahab was extremely wicked. So here we have these two kings coming together to decide whether or not they should go and attack this land that Ahab claims belongs to them. So um, what inspires next, I believe, will give us tremendous insight into listening to what the Lord has to say and really for us to really heed the warning, to pay attention to the mistakes that Ahab made that eventually led to his death. So, so that's what I want to look at here in this passage. So first part here is in verses 5 and 6. It says, But Jehoshaphat said to Israel's king, First, let's see what the Lord has to say. So Israel, Israel's king gathered about 400 prophets and asked them, Should I go to war with Gilead, um, with Gilead or not? Attack, the prophets answered. The Lord will hand it over to the king. The first mistake that Ahab made, and we, we tend to make this mistake too, is he listened to the voice of the majority, not the voice of authority. He was listening to the voice of authority. See, these prophets were not speaking for God. Jehoshaphat knew that, that they were not, that they were not speaking. They, they were ungodly. And notice what the story says. It says, all the prophets were in agreement. They all agreed that, yes, go and attack. The Lord will give you, the Lord will give you success. One of the most dangerous mistakes you can make is listening to the voice of the majority. You know, it's amazing how the, how the voices of opposition to God's church gather together in unison. They come together as one voice, and they are united, regardless of the backgrounds or the different places that they come from. They are, they are in unity in one voice to go against God and to go against God's church. But that's one of the most largest mistakes we can make as believers is to listen to the voice of the majority. And I can tell you as the church and as a Christian, if the majority is speaking one voice or one message, it's probably not the message of God. Because very seldom will God be in the majority. God, God will not be in the majority in this world. God's word will never win a popularity contest. That's not what God's word was given for. Remember what I said when we read those polls where it said the majority. That, that in other words, the, the, the world we live in today, they, they are going by the swaying of the, of the world today and what the majority of the people are thinking. And the world is being led away by thinking, well, therefore, if the majority of the world thinks this, then this must be the right way to go. That's a dangerous way to live. And that's not the way we live as Christians. We live on the truth of what the Word of God says. It, it might go against what some of your own family members say. You might believe some things that your family members disagree with. You probably believe some things that your coworkers don't agree with. It's the truth. It's, it doesn't matter whether it's the majority. It's the truth of what the Word of God says. See, God's government is not a democracy. It's a monarchy. And God is in charge. God is the king that's in charge. And his word is the only word that, that counts. So we cannot abandon the voice of God for the voice of the many. See, God, God, God's not up there saying, well, you know, I see that the world is changing. Culture's changing. Society is changing. And you know what? I'm just going to change all of a sudden. That's not how God operates. 
The Bible says God is the same today, yesterday, and forever. God's word never changes. So this church is not going to sway with the winds of society. And even if it means that we might, get, we might not get as many people as maybe we, we want to fill up this room with, we're going to speak the truth of what the word of God says, whether it's the majority or not. And, and God's word to us as the church and as Christians is you got to keep your ears open to what God says. Not, not to what the majority is saying or what the, what the world is saying. And, you know, if you read the Bible, you'll discover that many times when God moved, God always moved with the minority. And one of the examples is the 12 spies. Remember in the, in the Old Testament, the, the Lord was about to send his, his, the, his people to, to go and to conquer and to possess the land of Canaan. God sent out 12 spies. All 12 came back. How many spies had a good report? Only two. The Bible says the other ten spread a bad report and said there's no way, we, we'll, we'll never do it. they got giants in the land, that they'll overtake us, We're, you know, we'll never do this. But two, Joshua and Caleb, they said, no, my God, my, our God will, will give us the victory. They were in the minority. They, they didn't win, and the Bible says the nation of Israel suffered because of that. The whole, la the whole uh, nation uh, uh, was, was prevented from, from possessing the land of Canaan. And then y'all know the, the, uh, the, the story of Noah. Noah wasn't in the majority. If you read the story of Noah, only eight people were saved. There was a lot more than eight people living in Noah's time. What, Noah, wasn't, Noah must have looked pretty foolish building an ark in the middle of a desert. But his, his, he, he, was, he saved his family because he listened to what the word of God said. And you can bet there was a lot of people trying to persuade him not to do it that you were foolish, that this is foolishness what you're doing. And, and, Noah, and Noah listened. The Bible says in Proverbs 14, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. See, the world is living according to the way that seems right. And the way that seems right is the way of the majority. And that's the most dangerous place you can be in as a believer. Because you are not going to be the majority. I'm here to tell you that. I've lived this Christian life long enough to know you are the minority. We're the majority when it comes to having Jesus Christ with us. But when it comes to living in this world that we're living in, you're the minority. So you can't ever say, well, you know what? I, I, I'm just not going to live for God because nobody else is living for God and, and I must be the only one that's stupid. You're, you're the one that's right. Live your life according to what the Word of God says. Not what the majority says. Live your life according to what the word of God says. God's warning to his church is avoid the wide road that seems right. See, what did Jesus say? Wide is the road. And what he said, many are those who get on that road. There's a lot of people on the wide road. And everybody's on the road. They're, they're laughing, they're cutting up, they're thinking they're having a great time. But very few, Jesus said, will find what? The narrow road. It's not narrow in the sense only a few people can walk on the road. It's narrow in the sense that that's the only way you can walk. Everybody can get on a narrow road, but then every, not everybody's willing to, to live the way it causes, causes to live to stay on that narrow road. So what is God's word for his church? Stay on the narrow road. Avoid the wide road. Say, well, I don't really know what the narrow road is. Get in the word of God. Open up the Bible. Turn off social media, Facebook, Twitter, all the different stuff. Shut that down. Get, get the word of God. You wanna, that, that's how I've, I've developed a spirit of discernment. 
and I was talking with my wife about this, and, and I, I mean, a lot of times when I hear something, my antenna, my discernment antennas go straight up, and immediately I'm like, that's not God. Well, how do I know that's not God? Because that's not in the Bible. That's not what the Word of God says. So get real familiar with what the truth says, and you'll be able to figure out what the counterfeit is. You'll know right away this isn't what God says. That sounds almost foreign now to tell somebody, read the Bible. Like, well, read the Bible. I got this guy writing this, and she's saying this, and he's doing this, and this guy's on the radio, and he's on television, and he's doing this. I don't have time to read the Bible. That's where the church has become. That's where we're at. We're redefining marriage, and we're endorsing and saying it's okay to kill a baby in the womb. We're making that legal. And I hate to tell you, there's some evangelical churches that, that are not speaking against that. I'm not saying they endorse it, but I believe if you're not speaking against it, you support it. Read the Word of God. What did Jehoshaphat, what Jehoshaphat said? See, Jehoshaphat knew. See, Ahab probably thought, look, I'm going to get all these 400. And surely when, when, when Jehoshaphat sees 400 prophets and they're all speaking in one voice, Jehoshaphat's going to say, well, you're right, Ahab. Let's, let's go. We're going to win this. But what did Jehoshaphat say? He said he thought he scratched his everything. He goes, wait a minute. Can't we just, let, let's just find out first. First, let's see what God has to say. That needs to be your first go-to. Is, is what does God have to say? And any, any decision that you, that you make in your life, and you know, young people, you know, we've got young people in the room today, you're not, you're not married, and, and, and you, maybe you're seeking a, a spouse, and, and, and who should I marry? Go, go see what God has to say about that. Go to the Bible. Seek the Lord. Get on your face before God. Don't go to your friends and your neighbors and blogs and all these different things. Go see what God has to say. And God will lead you and direct you into the person that he has for you to marry. God will direct your steps. The second mistake that Ahab made is in verse 8. It says, there, it says, there is one other man who could, who could ask the Lord for us, Israel's king Joe Jehoshaphat, but I hate him because he never prophesies anything good about me, only bad. His name is Micaiah, Maliah's son. The king shouldn't speak like that, Jehoshaphat said. The next thing is he listened to the voice of emotion, not the voice of truth. And this is one of my big, I guess, pet peeves that I really harp on as a pastor to Christians, especially, especially young Christians. And see, again, Jehoshaphat knew that these 400 prophets, they weren't speaking, they weren't speaking for God. And Ahab, uh, Ahab, Jehoshaphat asked, is there another, is there someone else? And Ahab was like, well, yeah, there is somebody else. But by the way, I don't really like when he comes because he was saying because he always speaks bad about me. What Ahab was really saying was he speaks the truth. That's why I hate him so much. You know, and that, that reminds me, I was reminded of that story. Remember when, when, uh, when, the, when, the, when the prophet Samuel went to, went, to Dave, went to Jesse's house to go and anoint the, the next king of Israel? And, and Jesse did what? Jesse had all of his sons come before um, the prophet Samuel. And, and he went, and, and, and Samuel didn't know who it was that God had anointed as king. And he went before every one of, of, of Jesse's sons. And when he got finished, he looked at Jesse and said, is, is this all you have? And Jesse says, oh, well, I really didn't think you really cared that much. But oh, by the way, there was one other son. He's, he's the one all the way out in the back taking care of the sheep. His name is David. He said, bring him in. 
He poured the oil of fire. He anointed him as the next, as the next, as, as the next king of Israel. So he, Ahab wasn't interested in here what Micaiah had to say because Ahab knew that Micaiah was going to speak the truth. See, God's word is not given to make us feel good. You know, some people say, well, you know, if I speak the word of God or if I live the way God wants me to live, I'm going to offend somebody. I'm here to tell you that's more than likely going to happen. You will, the word of God will offend. You will offend someone speaking the word of God. And the world tries to take the church and twist the truth of what the word of God says. And they say, when we come against the LGBT community and gender, gender identity, and all that, what, what does the world say we are? We're, we're bigots, we're, 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 we're hatred, we're, we're prejudiced. No, we're not condemning them. We're, not, we're speaking what the word of God says. We're defending God's word. We're standing on the truth. We don't hate. We love. Jesus himself said, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Amen. That's our message. It's a message of love, but it's also a message of truth. So you cannot live your life based on feelings and emotions. And, and this is where a lot of Christians get tripped up because they, they, they get saved in emotion. And, and, and that's a good thing, I guess. It doesn't have to be emotional when you get saved, but a, a lot of people, God's spirits move in the presence of God is there and God moves. But what happens a lot of times if you get saved in that emotional condition, what happens to your emotions? They change. And for some of us, they change a lot. They're up and down. So if I got saved in emotion and a week later I'm like, you know, I, I remember I went up and I, I gave my life to Jesus, but I'm just not, I'm not feeling, I just, I'm not feeling this right now. It doesn't matter how you feel. It was the truth. It was, it was the truth. The Bible says salvation is found in no one else except the name of Jesus. The Bible says confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. It doesn't say feel like, feel like Jesus is your Savior. Uh, wait till you get this feeling and then go believe in Jesus. It's based on truth. Truth, never, truth doesn't need emotion. It, it, it's steady. It's stable. It, it remains the same. It never changes. So we can't live on emotion and See, Ahab was, Ahab was worried about his emotions. Well, I, I hate him because he never prophesies anything good about me, only bad things. Well, that's because you weren't listening to the voice of God. You were ignoring the truth of what, of what the Word of God says. See, um, we, are, we are living the condition of the world in which we live. The world wants a pleasing, easy-sounding word, one they can all agree with. Don't give me a word that... That, that convicts me, that don't give me a word that says, I, I'm going to have to change to do that. I, I'm going to probably have to give something up. I'm going to probably have to sacrifice something. I'm going to probably have to put this flesh down to do that. Don't, don't give me that. Give me, a, give me a word that's pleasing. And, and unfortunately, that's what the church is doing. We call them seeker-friendly churches. They're, they're, they're speaking a word that's pleasing, that's attractive. Jesus never spoke a word that was pleasing or attractive. Jesus just spoke the truth, the truth of what the Word of God says. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, it says, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. That's where we're at today. People don't want to hear the truth. Don't, don't tell, tell, tell me something that makes me feel good. 
Tell me something everybody agrees with, but don't tell me what the truth is. Ahab didn't want to know what the truth was. He wanted to know what he, what he wanted to hear, the words, that, the words that he wanted to hear. So I'm here to tell you God's, God's word in your life will more than likely in most instances never make sense. It's not, it's not going to make sense. God's word's not going to sound right. It's not going to feel right. It's not going to smell right. Other people aren't going to like it. But I'm here to tell you it's the truth of what the word of God says. Don't base your obedience on the word of God on your emotions. Accept the fact that this is the truth. This is what the word of God says. Is that making sense? Do you understand what I'm saying? It's the truth. That's how the apostles lived. And I've said this before. We, you know, we create environments of worship services and we, and, and we, we, we get the music and all that kind of stuff. And, but really, if you read the Old Testament, they never had all of that. That when Jesus was ministering in the streets and he was laying hands on the sick and raising the dead, there wasn't a worship band playing and music playing and an altar call. And there was just truth operating in the streets. Right. It's the truth. I worship God. I, I, we come into this room. We've, we've all had a, maybe we've had a bad week. You're having a rough time at home. You're, you know, family's life, work life, whatever, kids are bad, all that kind of stuff. And you walk in here and you're like, you know what? I don't feel like worshiping God today. I don't feel like worshiping God. It doesn't matter if you worship God for who he is. I don't worship God because I feel like worshiping him. I worship him for who he is. I, I fight against it. God, I, my hands are going up. I worship you, Lord. And God, God loves that. That's what God wants, the Bible says. So when you think of biblical examples of things that never Look right, remember when Moses led the Israelites uh, to the, remember when the, the Egyptians were, were chasing, when, when uh, Pharaoh let them go out of Egypt, and the Bible says that God changed Pharaoh's heart again, and he chased after him with all his chariots, and the Bible says that he led Israel to the Red Sea to make it look like they were in confusion. How, what, did, what did that look like? All the Israelites, they were, they were mad at Moses. They, they didn't understand what he was doing. Did it make any sense when the Lord told Abraham to go sacrifice your son Isaac? Did that make any sense? No, but guess what? Abraham did it. He obeyed God. When Gideon went to war with 300 men, did that make any sense? No, but Gideon did it. God said, you, had, you got too many men. He weaned the men down, and God said, now go. This is, this is all you need. It's not, it's, not based, it's not based on emotion. The only church that's going to survive in this hour is the church that's following the truth. That's the only church that's going to survive. Jesus says, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. That's what the Bible says. Not you shall know a denomination, you shall know a guy writing a blog, you shall know your emotions, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. We stand on truth of what the Word of God says. Don't make your decisions based on feelings and emotions. What's the next step? That next mistake that Ahab made in verses 21 to 23. It says, Unto one particular spirit approached the Lord and said, I'll persuade him. How, the Lord asked. I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. He said, The Lord agreed you will succeed in persuading him. Go ahead. So now, since the Lord has placed a lying spirit in the mouth of every one of these prophets of yours, it is the Lord who has pronounced disaster against you. The next mistake he's made is he listened to the voice of death, not the voice of life. See, Micaiah revealed to Ahab 
that his prophets were deceiving him by a lying spirit. And I'm here to tell you that any denomination, any person, I don't care who they are, how many people they got following them, any person that speaks anything that's not in the word of God, they're a liar. They're a deceiver. The Bible says that the, that the devil, is the, he's a liar and he's the father of lies. Anything that contradicts the word of God is a lie. That might sound strong, but that's the truth. You don't want to hear anyone say anything that doesn't support what the Bible says. I'm not interested. I'm just not. I don't care how good it sounds, how he's a good speaker, he sounds great, he's got all these millions of people following him, all that kind of stuff, it doesn't matter. Does it support what the word of God says? The Bible says that Satan is the father of lies. The Bible says that the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That's, that's, the, that's the modus operation of the devil. He, he wants to kill. He wants to rob from us. He wants to, he wants to steal from us. See, Ahab had become so wicked that he no longer recognized the voice of God. Imagine that. You become so deceived and so wicked that you no longer recognize God's voice. So the Lord gave me this. If you consume too much of what the world is saying, you will fail to hear what God is saying. This is why it's so important for us to turn down what other people are saying, even other Christians. Because what happens is you, you become divided. And all of a sudden, you, you're listening, well, this is what he believes about this. And she believes this about this. And he says this. And all of a sudden, you, you, your heart and your mind become spread out and it becomes divided. And you become dull to hearing what it is that God's voice is saying. Limit the things that you hear from other people and pay more attention to what the Word of God says. I know that sounds boring and dull in the day that we live in, but that's how you're going to hear the voice of God. You have to shut down. Ahab, he, he no longer heard what God said. He couldn't understand it. And really, all Micaiah, guess what Micaiah was prophesying to Ahab? In a nutshell, he was, he was prophesying Ahab's pr protection and his provision that if Ahab would have heeded what Micaiah was saying, he would have lived. That's all he was doing. If you read the rest of the story, Ahab was killed in the, in the battle. And, but if you read it, the Bible says that, guess what Ahab did? Ahab disguised himself. In other words, he didn't want, he didn't want the army to know that he was the king. Now, if you were so certain that you were going to win the battle, why did you have to go into disguise? Because he knew Micaiah was right. He was afraid. And if you read the story, the Bible says that the archer, he didn't, know that, he didn't have no clue that this was the king. The Bible says he just drew back his bow, and the Bible says he let the bow go, he let the arrow go at random. And the, and the Bible says the bow pierced the metal armor. That, now what's the chances of that? That's God. It was, a, it was a random arrow, but God was directing the arrow. Yes, that's all it was. I read this in a commentary when, when I was studying this passage. It says, the greatest kindness we can do to one that is going a dangerous way is to tell him of his danger. I love that. See, a lot of times the devil tries to tell us, don't witness to someone and tell them about Christ, because why? They might get offended. But really what you're trying to do is what? You're trying to save their soul. I'd rather, I'd rather take the risk of them getting saved than being concerned about whether or not they get offended. But see, that's the devil. That's not God. God's not concerned if they get offended. 
God's concerned, do they hear the truth of my son? Do they know Jesus Christ? Do they know, do they know who Jesus is? So God's message to his church is listen to the voice of the Lord, not the voices of the world. I'm not criticizing or condemning anybody. I, when I was uh, a younger Christian, we never had social media. We never had cell phones. We, I had a phone, we had a phone hanging on the wall in the kitchen. I know you all can't imagine that. You look at some old movies, you see all this kind of stuff. And, but there was, there was three channels, and Lori and I was talking about this the other day when, when, when Christmas time came around. Um, you had the, uh, the Grinch was the big thing. You had Rudolph and uh, Frosty the Snowman. And if you didn't make sure that you, that you tuned in to watch Rudolph, guess what? You missed it. But now, but now, but now it's okay. If you don't watch it, it's, you just go Google it or you go YouTube it or whatever, and you can find it. But when you were little, you had to be, you, and we were all in front of the TV, we were watching Rudolph. But see, today is different. There's, there's social media. There's, there's, all these, there's, all these different, there's all these different blogs. But, but I'm not criticizing for listening to someone. There's a lot of people out there that are saying a lot of things that are true, that, that are right. What I'm saying is you have to limit. You have to reduce the, the, the voices that you are listening to and, 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 and what? Receive the truth of what the Word of God says. See, get saturated with God's Word. Just, 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 just saturate yourself with the Word of God. See, that's what the world, the world wants to say. Well, the, the Bible, that's boring. That's, that's, like out of, that's old-fashioned. I want to hear something new. This is a living word, the Bible says. It's living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. The Bible says these are the words of life. Read the Bible. It's on apps now. You can get version, all the, all the, there's, there's all kinds of things. There's no excuse. You can, listen to the, you can listen to the Bible. If you don't want to read the physical book, listen to the Bible. Get the Bible inside of you. Make that one of your resolutions for the new coming year that I'm just going to saturate myself with the Word of God. And I'm telling you, that's, that's how you get discernment. That's how you get recognition of what's right and what's wrong. What, what is the truth? What does God say? In every decision that you make, do what Jehoshaphat said. He told Ahab, can't we just first find out what it is God has to say? Shut down all these other voices. I, I, I want to scream. I want to scream to the top of my lungs. Is anybody listening to God? I pray that this church is. I believe we are.